Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay. And um, Alzheimer's Speaks was started due to my mom having dementia for 30 years. I was a daughter who struggled to figure out how to care for her and how to live fully with dementia and really felt strongly that there had to be more resources out there than what I knew about. And so I decided to create Alzheimer's Speaks, which is really an advocacy-based platform providing multiple places where people can get information. So we have the radio show, we do these video chats, um, I interview people with dementia called Dementia Chats, We've got the blog, um, the resource directory, and and so much more along with our keynotes. Um, but our goal is really to shift our care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And it's just been so exciting to meet so many people doing such fabulous work um, and who are willing to share that with all of us. Uh, Alzheimer's Speaks really believes that by sharing knowledge and having these everyday conversation, it, that that is truly the way that we are gonna we're gonna change the world. We are gonna improve things for not only ourselves but for others, so that we can all learn to live graciously together. And right now, that is so badly needed. The other thing I've learned with dealing with dementia is that what's good for dementia is really good for everybody. Mm. So there really isn't a bad lesson wrapped in this disease. Um, unless you choose to jump down the rabbit hole. But there are always brilliant, um, brilliant lessons to be learned. And that at our core that we believe collaboration is really our key. And again, that is something society is not doing well right now with. And that's such a beautiful gift. And so I have to thank each and every one of you. You see your likes, your clicks, your shares with all of our various contents um, have gotten us recognized by Oprah, Maria Shriver, Dr. Oz, and it's been amazing for those things to happen. And that's not us, that is all of us working together as one to improve things. And it just shows the power of collaboration. And so again, I, I thank you for that and I hope that you continue to like and share and click because there's always somebody in our sphere of influence that's dealing with something that we can help with. And I know a lot of times we feel like we're 10 steps behind and we don't have enough knowledge, but there's always, there's always somebody else who we can help. And so if we, if we keep that momentum going, knowing that, you know, we each have our own power of one to share, it's, it's a pretty beautiful thing and it gives us hope and it refreshes our soul and it just makes the world a better place. So thanks for being part of our community. I also want to invite you to be a guest on the show. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own opinions. And, and here on Alzheimer Speaks Radio, we um, make a commitment that it's okay to agree to disagree um, as long as we're respectful of that. And again, share your thoughts, share your knowledge. Maybe you are diagnosed with dementia. Maybe you are someone caring for a loved one. 
maybe you're advocating. We've had Harvard Research on the show. We've had singers and songwriters to movie directors um, to authors. Everybody, big and small, has place here and has a voice that we want to hear. So if you're interested, you know, just reach out to me. I would love, love to talk to you and have a conversation. Before I get to our guest who's so patiently waiting here, I also want to just give a shout out to a couple of organizations that I just adore that I think are doing some really great work. One is the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention um, Foundation, and they just do a lot of work kind of on a holistic path. Um, and so, you know, if you're into exercising and nutrition and meditation and, and just taking a breath, you know, to center yourself and, and find that peacefulness within, maybe do some intentions, check them out. They also do a lot with integrative medical research as well, a lot of education, and they do some memory screenings, but just a fabulous organization. The um, Women's Alzheimer's Movement, which is Maria Shriver's, is really looking at finding um, and um, helping push research for women forward. This summer, she'll be doing her Move for Minds event, which will be announced probably later in March, um, but that happens in June. And then the Roberto app, which is something that, that is new to me, but was developed really by athletes to to monitor brain function. And it is a really cool app because you just play some video games and it'll measure different parts of your brain to give you an idea of how are you doing every day. It's a great way to baseline. It also helps you kind of sit back and go, gosh, did I get enough sleep last night? What did I eat that got me offset? Am I really under stress? Because all of those things can be triggers with our brain as well. And um, so again, you know, check those things out. You can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com. You'll find them right on the homepage. And um, I, I think you'll be as interested in them as I am. So let's get to our guest. Uh, Danita Bai is an author of a brand new book. And I've got a Hold it up. You've got, you've got yours. I've got little tags hanging out of mine. Um, mine has little stickies on it. Yeah. Millennials Matter, a proven strategies for building your next gen leader. And this is just a, a such needed book and such a misunderstood, I think, generation that she really gives light to. Danita is really strong in leadership and sales development. She's a true expert and her success um, has ranged from sales leader at the Xerox Corporation to private equity um, ownership roles. She has a Master's of Arts in Transformational Leadership, and she serves on Forbes Coach Council. And she, she's just fantastic. I've known her through um, the speaking industry for a long time now, and it's just really fun to, to reconnect with her. She is the mother of three millennials. And um, so we can't wait to hear and have this conversation about millennials matter because, man, they really do. They really really do. And they are going to have such an economic impact on all of us. And so it's important for us to, to understand how to work together. But before we get into the book, Danita, I always just like to ask everybody who's a guest. Um, and that question is this, um, have you been touched by family or friends, anybody with dementia? Um, oh, my, that's a great way to start out the conversation. 
My uh, sister-in-law, who is um, 60 years old, was officially diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's about, about a year ago. And uh, we, as family members, had seen, had actually seen something coming on for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is um, something that was very hard for the family to acknowledge and to see. Mm -hmm. So they went through a, um, you know, a challenging journey and, uh, and then finally had a more official diagnosis about a year ago and now are wrestling with that next stage about what they need to do. Yeah. So, and uh, Kim is a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, so well, thank you for sharing. And that is not uncommon for people to be going through and struggling with that, especially at such a young age. Yeah. Um, we're seeing more and more young individuals. In fact, when I do my dementia chats, um, you know, I'm going to be 60 in a couple of years. Well, actually not even two years anymore. <laughs> going to be closer to one year. <laughs> and, um, you know, when I interview people, no one could tell who has dementia right. you know, by talking to us or by looking at us. And it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's sad because many of the people with younger dementia are questioned, oh, you can't have dementia, you look fine. It's kind of that invisible disease. And it so, really we, you know, we have yeah. to learn how to, how to tackle that better. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that. And then I have uh, one other, my uh, youngest millennial daughter. Mm-hmm. volunteers at at a Alzheimer's home Mm -hmm. uh, one day a week. Okay. And so, uh, and then she's been doing that for about three or four months and in uh, kind of as in preparing for our conversation, I asked her about, you know, what do you like? What do you don't like? Mm-hmm. And she, she does, she volunteers one day a week and she loves it. She loves the people that she works with. She, you know, it's about creating joy in the moment. And she said, I can do that because it's, you know, one day a week, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not there 24 mm-hmm. seven. And um, what else was she 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 just said that uh, you know people will uh kind of uh what's the word kind of laugh at her a little bit for even wanting to volunteer there and for enjoying to volunteer there and she sees it as really an underserved kind mm-hmm. of marginalized community yeah well, and I think people laugh because they just don't know. They have this vision of end stages, yes. and and it's such an uncomfortable conversation when people aren't educated and don't know, yes. and yes. and it, it comes off sideways. But I love that your daughter at that young age has the insight of creating joy and being in the moment. And that was one of the biggest gifts my mom taught me was, you know, put your phone down and play again, Lori. You know, wow. be be with me. 
Yes. And, and it was like, as an adult, you, you forget that anyways, I forgot how to play because I was too busy being busy and being an adult, Yeah, you know, and taking care of all the important stuff. And then you lose out on some of the power of your relationship and that fun that fuels us, you know, to go forward and stuff. So lucky her that she's, she's learned that. Yeah. You know, there were two other things that she noted, which were, um, helpful for me. And I know that you and, you know, your uh, listenership know this. Uh, she said that for her, there's also, she, she knows that she is, you know, providing, you know, joy living in the moment. But she said for her, it's also meaningful and fulfilling that she is giving family members uh, a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Because what she sees is just the tremendous burnout that can happen. Yep. You know, the burnout that happens with staff, the burnout with family members. Um, and so, um, so anyway, I thought that was, again, interesting for a 25-year-old. Yep. Able to see that and note that. Yeah. Well, and you know, they always say when you give, you get more back. And, you know, when, when you can see what you're doing, it does fill your heart, mm-hmm. you know, going, I do have purpose and I, I am helping and I, I am part of this community. That's, that's huge. And I, I think we've, again, I think we've lost that sense of community, that sense of, you know, being bigger than ourselves, right? you know, truly being connected. And so, good parenting there, you know, that, <laughs> that she's got that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give her all the credit. <laughs> oh heck! Well, let's let's talk about your book here, Millennial Matters. What the heck inspired you to write this book? Because this is a big topic. It is a big topic, and uh, as with all of our lives, there's a number of events that, at the time, look disconnected, but in retrospect, they were all connected the the conversation that finally caught and riveted my attention was a conversation with my son Weston who was 23 24 at the time I guess I should look in the book and get the exact date but he um he had went to a leadership conference Mm -hmm. uh the Willow Creek Global Leadership Conference may be familiar with that and um it ends Saturday at noon, and I connected with him at 1230 just to say, hey, what'd you think? What was interesting? And he was being a pretty typical, uh, you know, ADD guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, this was, oh, that was a good speaker. No, that was interesting. And, you know, he was kind of flitting here, here and there. And then he stopped, and it was as over the airwaves, his eyes locked with mine. And he said, Mom, I have a message for you. And it was as if those, those words just started to sink in. And I knew that this was going to be an important message mm-hmm. for God, for me. And he said... Uh, Mom, you must prioritize passing your leadership, wisdom, and insight onto the next generation. Wow. 
And then he said, mom, got to go. Talk to you later. <laughs> you know, wow. he, he's off doing his world. And I'm left with these words that are just starting to like slowly imprint my DNA as I realize that this is, this is important. And it was, you know, I'm like many of us, I'm, you know, I get this big long to-do list and I'm checking things off and, you know, accomplishing this and doing this. And so to, and this concept of millennials wasn't even on my list. It was nowhere on my to-do list. So this required me to kind of rethink things and to, uh, you know, to wrestle with what do I do with it? Yeah. And um, so I started, uh, there were a number of things that were shifts and changes that were going on at the time, which gave me a little bit more opportunity to write um, and to reflect on what were some of the lessons that I had learned that would be helpful for those of us who are leading and training and teaching the next generation. Wow. What a, what an interesting way to, to write a book. I mean, and and I can just see that to a kid, like giving you that message and then just flitting off. And then, that's right. (laughs) and and you know, it's a powerful message. You know, it's a deep comment that needs your attention. And, um, and did he did he have any idea how powerful that was? No, he had no idea. He had none. It was um, it was about six to eight weeks later that um, I was having a cup of coffee with him, and I um, I said, Weston, I says, you know, I've been thinking about your words, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's, I said, you know, I said, let's be real. Um, your generation has, you have so much access to great talking heads. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go on YouTube and pull up anywhere and they are incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, and he said, yes, we do mom. Here's the problem. What we need are people who can come alongside us and walk with us and figure out what it all looks like in everyday life. That's what we're missing. That's what we need. And so as I, you know, continued to reflect on it, um, that, that I feel is actually the call of the generation to all of us Mm -hmm. in whatever we're doing. How do we, you know, this, relationship how do we how do we live and walk this out with um the millennials in our life every day yeah well it really is a beautiful message of of learning to live graciously together yeah you know sharing knowledge i mean it's it's just a real it's a basic thing that we've lost how to do because we've compartmentalized everything and um and you know when you when you were doing your your research and stuff on the book, um, what was like the biggest surprise to you? Because I think millennials get such a bad rap, 
you know, I mean, you hear the word and people go, ew, you know, <laughs> they just, ew. Roll up the eyes. Yep, yep. And they're rolling them right back at us, the oldies, too. <laughs> no. That's right. Huh. You know, there were, um, uh, I've got like six surprises, not just one. <laughs> The first is I started the research, um, I did uh, talk to leaders and ask them what kind of concerns that they have. And 60% of the people had concerns. Now that number is actually interesting. 60% do, but that means 40% are doing okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I would have thought with all the rolls of the eyes that you get, it'd be a hundred percent. We're having problems. Yeah. For day or dang close. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Guess it's that squeaky wheel thing. Going that's, on. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and then the three categories that um, popped up. Uh, uh, the first one was the area around character. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have, probably been sensitized to that because of my uh, uh, work with transformational leadership. And the concept with character is that everything that we are as leaders, everything that we are as people flows from who we are. And then it moves out and impacts all of our roles, all of our decisions, all of our relationships it all starts here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'd mentioned earlier in your, your intro monologue, uh, you know, about being centered. Mm -hmm. And that's because it all starts here. It, you know, it all starts with how we're thinking and, and feeling and our character and then flows out. So it was, so it was interesting that there was a, um, uh, kind of a cluster of concerns that were up there. Mm -hmm. That was the first one. Um, and it, one of the reasons that it popped up to me is this statistic, which I think is fascinating. 91% uh, of millennials want to be seen as leaders. Wow. Wow. That's a huge number. That is. So they have this um, leadership, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Well, you know, they, 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 they see themselves as leaders. Mm -hmm. So as we're working with them uh, in whatever capacity is to recognize that they see themselves as that, so when we come to them with ideas, we can talk about what, well, you know, leaders wrestle with this. Mm -hmm. uh, leaders wrestle uh, with character and making decisions about doing right, no matter what. That's what leaders think about. That's what leaders do. And so it's a place that we can tap into mm -hmm. and help them on their uh, journey of becoming better leaders, better employees, and better people. 91%. Wow. Or even when we're asking our staff to do something, giving them the respect of the role that they're in to build that credibility instead of them feeling like we're pushing them down. 
absolutely. And and this is, I think, such a huge factor. Uh, I mean, it, it is in, in all positions, but healthcare is in such a crisis right now right. in terms of attracting employees and keeping employees. And, it, you know, it gets down to really that care culture of a company of how how do we understand one another? How do we work together? Um, if it's, uh, you know, if it's our generations, if it's our cultural differences, it, it doesn't make any difference. We, we have to, we have to open our minds and our hearts a little bit more to where the other guy is at and um, appreciate that and respect that instead of just you do this and you do that. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the other surprises for me is that a, a large percentage, I think it's 85% if I'm quoting that correctly, want a coach or a mentor, not a boss. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're talking about, is yep. that whole um, collaboration and relationship. And that was one of the key things that in our survey leaders talked about is that they you know, so they had some concerns about millennials not being collaborative not being able uh to communicate in difficult situations and conflict and with other team members on different generational mm -hmm. issues and if we're real about it they have difficulty, but we also have difficulty. Yep. Well, and don't you think part of the difficulty is, is our societal standard of it's not okay to fail? So everyone is so protective of either not failing or judging when someone does instead of saying failure is, is one of our biggest learning lessons and tools we have. You know, it's interesting you say that, Lori. Uh, we have, um, so my first 10 years were with uh, Xerox Corporation in sales. And then my next 10 years was with a, I was part of a turnaround team for a medical device community. And we were the Davids mm -hmm. up against three Goliaths. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were nothing. And yet, our entire life savings is on the line. So <laughs> you have to be creative and innovative. So as I'm building my team, one of the questions that I would routinely ask them as part of our uh, weekly planning and staffing session is I would ask them, tell me about the biggest failure of the week. Mm -hmm. And, and I would ask what they learned. Um, and then what were the nuggets that they were able to take away from that failure that they could use for the future? So as I think about how do we come alongside those we're mentoring and coaching and working with, we do have to celebrate failure yep, and learn the nuggets and use that failure as a stepping stone to move forward. And that's a place where we can come alongside and help them build their confidence, 
uh, and help them uh, from a collaboration standpoint because we're going, we're sharing back and forth. We're having a real live conversation. Yeah. Well, and I think for those bosses or leaders or mentors, whatever term you, you want to use with that, they have to be willing to show their vulnerability. That, you know, they didn't just hop out of bed and were this perfect little thing. You know, they've had their struggles, you know, and they'll continue to mess up and screw up because we're human. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that I see in, in corporations so often is this, this need for perfection and these really strong line rules that they believe will stop failure. And they're, they're taking tools away mm-hmm. that are really necessary to improve and go to the next step. And they're in some ways making it worse. Yeah you know, because it, it's cut the conversation um, back or it's empowered people mm-hmm. at, at different levels. And um, I love that whole coaching piece. I love, I, I love the honesty of it. You know? you know, it was interesting. I had a, was visiting with someone just last week. Uh, and he, he says, you know, Danita, I really appreciate the book. He goes, I've got kind of an odd question. He says, you know, when I, when I read through, he says, you just really mention a lot of times about how important it is for the mentor or the coach to be authentic and real. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm curious why you did that. I mean, you did it a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I did. (laughs) And, And I think, You know, it goes back to what you're saying, Lori, as baby boomers and some as Gen X is that we were, uh, our imprinting was to always put the best foot forward, to only show the good side. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were raised in this area with media that you've got commercials telling you that you have to have the perfect hair and the perfect teeth and... Uh, you know, we've been, we, we've had this onslaught of our whole life that we have to have, you know, kind of be this perfect. And then we have this, you know, as the pendulum swings, we have this group of people who come up says, well, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, I don't want that. I don't want to be like that. And I know it's not true because they have seen parents who have put the perfect image out. Because they've lived with us. <laughs> they've lived with us. I may know that that is not true. <laughs> well, and I think that they they really saw, I mean, one, the the fracture of relationships, you know, Um, and they, I think they felt the brunt of that, but they also saw probably is my guess, the amount of work to put up a facade and, and the amount of stress that's back here because they're reading all the nonverbals, even if there's a Stepford wife smile coming off of it, you know, and and I think um, I think corporations too have gotten so scripted. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially you know, Salesforce is it's and in some ways, I mean, that can be really good, but in other ways, 
it kills the possibility of building a relationship because somebody knows you're just going from A to B to C yes. and you're really not listening. Yep, absolutely. You know, one of the stories that I uh, tell in uh, Millennials Matter is a an aha that I had in my own life. Um, uh, uh, I called it my my navy blue suit aha. Mm -hmm. And uh, I recognized that when I put my navy blue suit on, that I was putting my mask on. And when I had that on, I had to live a certain way, or I felt, I didn't have to live that, but I felt mm -hmm. I needed to do that in order to protect myself. And so had this very profound experience where um, that I realized that my, my navy blue suit mask was holding me back from being the real and authentic Danita. Mm -hmm. And uh, to symbolize my commitment to move forward, I actually burned <laughs> one of my navy blue suits. <laughs> It was all yeah. weird, but it was a very, very powerful experience. Um, recognizing, um, and you know, we all have those. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have shifts as part of our leadership journey where we recognize, I don't like that. I want to be something different. Yeah. I don't like that. I want to be something different. And I would suggest that the millennials in our life actually help us. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, because they're clawless on it. Yes. You know? If if we're willing to listen and and sit down and validate, you know, what, what it is they're seeing instead of no, I'm right. Yes. No, you you don't know you're too young. I I remember when my daughter was very young, um, I wanna say maybe six. And she gave me an aha moment like your son did you. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me one day and I was really frustrated because I was the, I was the fix it girl in the family. So somebody had a problem, you brought it to me and I fixed it. And she looked at me square in the eye and she said, mom, not everybody wants your life. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I know. And I thought, and, and I, for years, I like poo pooed it. What does she know? And then I had a revelation. Oh my gosh, I am really getting in the way of allowing other people to learn because I'm just trying to put them in my mold. And I think corporations do that too. Get in my mold, yes. you know, because then I don't have to worry about you. And, right. and you know, it's not natural to be in a mold for any of us. And we have to really understand the beauty of all of our differences and how we how we act, how we interact, and how we connect and and raise people up for our differences instead of being so fearful right. of them. But I'll, I'll never forget that from a young kid of six. And like I said, I just, I, and, I, and I look back now and go, wow, I wish I would have listened to that. Isn't that right? Ages ago, because she was right on the money. 
Yeah. Right on the money. So I think part of it is us validating them. I, I know many people think, well, you know, they're just entitled and, you know, we've raised them, you know, this way and, and um, blah, 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 blah. But it, you know, they are, are of such value to us as a community as a whole, as to us individually. And just like any other generation before them, they have a lot to learn and they have a lot to teach. They really do, really do. You know, one of the other, going back to this coach, mentor mm -hmm. versus mo uh, boss, um, I had was uh, visiting with someone um, last week who had uh, a number of salespeople, um, millennial salespeople, and she was just asking some advice. And she said, "You know what? You know, one of them came in, and she was just complaining about uh, how sad she was, like really sad because she didn't have a boyfriend." Mm -hmm. And then she said, "Why do I care if she has a boyfriend or not?" And why is she talking to me about that? I'm her boss. And uh, do I have to listen to that? And yes. There was, I'm going to reach back here. Yes. One of my uh, favorite books, uh, which is an old one. It's called The One Thing You Need to Know About Great Managing and Great Leading and Sustained Individual Success from Marcus Buckingham. It's an older book. The key idea that I learned out of here is that as a great manager, you have to care mm -hmm. about your people. And that's what the Gallup organization, all their research talks about that if you wanted, if you wanted people to bring their whole selves to work, you have to care about them. You have to care about the whole person. Yeah. You have to care about the whole person. You just can't care if they're going to hit the number. You have to care about the whole person. Yeah. And so as other generations, we would put up with someone if they didn't care about us. Mm -hmm. But this generation isn't going to put up with it. No. Uh, cause, because they can find someone who will care yeah. about them. Well, and they've seen the they've seen what the disconnect has cost, yes. and they're not willing to they're not willing to to lay down to that and give that up. Right. You know, um, it's 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 really important. I, I know when I was um, younger, I had a boss who was like the perfect mentor. She had a red pen I hated, but I, I mean, and I'm still I'm still friends with her. This group of women we get together. It's been 35 years. We get together wow. once a month for dinner, and which is just incredible. But Jan was a woman who she she had this open door policy, which I loved because I think people hide behind an open door, saying, you know, I, I of course I have an open door policy, but they really don't. And right. Jan's policy was this: you can walk in and you can talk to me about anything, and you can complain about anything, as long as you are willing to come forth with some solutions. They don't have to be perfect, but I want you involved. If, if we're going to change this, I want you involved in it. 
And, and that was so empowering. She also had this other philosophy that if you're going to have the responsibility, then you have to have the authority with it. And I think many times we give people the responsibility, but we don't really get, we don't trust them to give them the authority. And um, for me, it was, it was like such an eye opener. And I would go into her every, literally every six to nine months and say, Jan, I'm a clog in the wheel. I need this response, this authority to go to my staff. And she'd say, well, then you're not going to have a job. And I'm like, it's okay, but I can't be a clog in the wheel. And she would, and she would say, well, what else do you see that needs fixing? What else? And, and so my job constantly changed, but she, as an employee, she allowed me to grow and allowed me to in, you know, be a power changer and an engager within our company um, so that more people had buy-in, more people felt empowered. And, you know, and I don't think that that's ever changed. I think we just, we, we backed off from it. We, we took less. And this, this generation is saying, no, we, we need that back full force, you know. You know, I I appreciate what you're saying because one of the ways that um, I've led and worked and then one of the ideas that I mentioned in Millennials Matter. Um, so let me, that Millennials Matter is really, um, I call it kind of a, a toolkit and a reference manual because mm-hmm. my, my goal was that if you're stuck, you could go Uh, turn to a page and pick up with some practical ideas to do that day. Mm -hmm. So one of those practical ideas is uh, exactly what you said. When uh, someone, uh, so at my medical device company, people would come to me with a problem and I would go, great. Um, Why don't you go back and come, come to me with three alternative solutions. Mm -hmm. And then we'll sit down and we'll brainstorm through those and see what we come up with. And of course, they would roll their eyes at me. <laughs> now I gotta do your job. No. <laughs> so after they rolled their eyes at me, you know, they'd come back and they'd come up with, I didn't want them to come back with one solution because if yep. they came back with one, then that meant I was supposed to implement their one. Yeah. but I wanted to stimulate their creative juices. And so uh, had they come back with three and then we'd come down and then we use those three as a springboard to even come up with more. Yeah. And so what that allows you, you know, from, you know, the way that I've captured it is it helps us to have some catalytic conversations. Um, What I appreciate what you're saying is that it's really empowering to the employee. Yep. Yep. Well, and it really, it, it gets the juices flowing to creativity, which I mean, there's nothing worse than a, than a company that's going stagnant. Absolutely. You know, that's how you get, you know, you can be number one for a long time. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're behind the eight ball and you go, how do we get here? And it's like, cause we got stagnant. You know, we, we didn't continue to be fluid with things. And, uh, and I, I just think that that's so 
So powerful. I think the other thing is when we have these authentic conversations that the millennials are, are going to really force us to do um, in, in the workforce here, I think it's going to, I think it's going to alleviate a lot of stress mm. that, that people are carrying because of the facades that are going on or the miscommunications. Mm. You know, it's, I don't know for you, but the more authentic I get, the easier and the calmer my life is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then the more creative, the more energy I have, you know, versus when you're really stressed, sometimes it, the stress will just paralyze you, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that's not good. That's not good for an individual. It's not good for, for a corporation. And so I think you've got just such great insight in your book that will help you know, all organizations and individuals, period. One of the areas that I, so the book is divided into six sections. One area that is actually one of those six sections is exactly what you're talking about. And I've got, I've called it proactive Mm self-care. So what I'm talking about is how do we develop a, a rhythm within our life where we can pull back and reflect, uh, see things on a big picture perspective, um, look at how we're handling things. Do we like it? Do we not like it? What do we want to change? What do we want to shift? And the observation that I've had is that every single leader whom I respect has some rhythm that's built into their life for reflect and to take care of how they're doing internally. Mm -hmm. And so that's important for us. And I believe that it's also important for us to uh, uh, mentor and come alongside with our millennial leaders. Mm -hmm. It's a, crazy world out there. I mean, we have, we are hot to this all the time. And we've got messages coming in all the time about, I want you to do this, or you should be like this, or if you do this, you'll be happy. Or, you know, likes and shares that are impacting our self-esteem and our self-image. And there's just massive onslaught of media that we, um, for ourselves as well as our millennials that we're mentoring, is uh, we, we, we need to have some boundaries mm-hmm. that allow us to uh, consider how do we become our best. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in the midst of messages going every which way. Yeah. Yeah, we just, I mean, it makes us all ADHD, you know, it does. <laughs> you're just trying to, trying to keep up with things. And it's, you know, it's, it's nice that um, in, in terms of the, the millennials wanting this relationship and wanting the authenticity, um, because as a leader, it's so much easier if, if everyone's in it together, you right. know? 
versus you're cracking the whip or you're, you know, you're worried they're all going to jump ship on you or you don't really know, you know, they're giving you the smile back, but you, you kind of feel this undercurrent. If you can just have an honest conversation, I mean, it's, it's so much more cost effective. Right. And emotionally cost effective as well for, for individuals. You know, I think the, um, so as, you know, as we're talking about this, I remember (laughs) a conversation when I was in college and I was dating a guy and, uh, you know, we, we, we were just on our, you know, the third or fourth date back then. And of course, dating back then is different than it is now. (laughs) Anyway, um, and he said, um, he said, Danita, he goes, you know what? I've told you all about me. He goes, but I don't know anything about you. And the very first thing that came out of my mouth was, if I told you who I was, you wouldn't like me. Um, and of course, you know, it was one of those comments that when it comes out, you go, oh, well, that was interesting to hear you yeah. say. <laughs> you know, it was an extrovert. As an extrovert, I say whenever I talk, I learn a tumbleweed about myself. Um, so, so you know, I'm going through a. Um, uh, so there's some some uh, issues that I'm working with right now where I'm having. I'm not responding in the way that I want to. Um, I don't like my honest response. I don't like my authenticity, Mm -hmm. what I see coming out, I am not happy with. Mm -hmm. And so what, uh, you know, the discipline uh, that I've committed myself to for hopefully it's not going to be for too long, but at least for today and for this week, Mm -hmm. that when I have that sort of negative emotion pop up, Mm -hmm. Um, is to stop Mm -hmm. and to pull back and go, now what in the world is driving that? Mm -hmm. Because I want to be known as a person who has, who has good fruit, Mm -hmm. you know, who has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's the person that I want to be known as. And so when something else happens to pop out, um, to have a discipline and process in place by which we can go back and reflect and make whatever changes that we need to do internally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that helps us to be a better mentor and a better coach because we can talk about the hard work that we've had to do mm-hmm. um, in order to become the person that we want to be. Yeah. So I don't know if that's on topic or off topic, but I guess it's personal revelation with what I'm working on this week. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, I think it's very important. I think that, um, I, I think it's, I think it's important for us to say life isn't easy all the time. You know, right. I, I think it's important to know that it, you know, I, I, I've come up with a saying for myself, perfect doesn't exist. Yeah. So that's, that's not going to be my goal anymore. I'm just going to do the best I can in the moment I have with, with the talents and resources I have knowing that next time I'm going to want to improve on that. Yes. And, and so I just, I, 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 
I kind of push that word perfect out. I think it's a really easy way to procrastinate. Um, I think it's a really easy way to, to get frustrated mm-hmm. um, and for, for barriers to pop up. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have kind of committed in, you know, in my realm with, with dementia that, you know, I could look at trying to be perfect and trying to meet everyone else's needs, or I could just start to right. make change. And I decided it was better for me to just start mm-hmm. to make change mm-hmm. and e- evolve as I go. And hopefully I can inspire somebody else on the way um, to, to break that mold. And um, I think it was Mark LeBlanc, his saying, you know, done is better. What, what is it? Done is better than perfect, maybe, you know, but just get out there and do it. Yeah. And, and get engaged, be authentic. Don't worry about your failures. Absolutely. And millennials, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. That's what they're looking for in their leaders. Yeah. They want to yeah. see that. They want to feel that. They want to walk alongside. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I like that they're looking for that coach and that mentor mm-hmm. because it, it really, uh, you know, that cohesiveness of, of having a relationship that you can trust. Mm-hmm. That is, that is powerful stuff. And if, if they're telling us we have lost that in our workforce, mm-hmm. how did that get through our nets? I mean, that, that should be, uh, you know, one of our well-protected assets and somehow we've lost that mm-hmm. and they're shining a light and that's a, that's a gift mm-hmm. for us to all learn that and, and realize the importance of that. And again, getting back to, you know, everybody can be a mentor in their own way Absolutely. Because, because we all have different talents and everybody can still learn. Absolutely. Yeah. I love your uh, growth mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, we're always looking to grow. Yep. To celebrate where we're at and then always looking to grow. Yeah. And it's, you know, and to, to, I think, watch yourself from not going down the rabbit hole too easy because it's really easy to not only have let others judge us, but to judge ourselves overly harshly. And, um, and know that, that, okay, I went down the rabbit hole, but now I need to get centered again. I need to move forward. Um, that was, that wasn't exactly what I would have liked it to be, but you know, that's called life and let's move forward and let's just do, let's do better next time. You know, let's, let's ask people for input and not be ashamed that it happened. Um, but you know, if we truly honestly want to improve, you know, uh, we're foolish to think we have all the answers ourselves. Right. You know, it takes a village. We have one of the other stories I tell in Millennials Matter is I had uh, uh, another aha. I had, um, uh, and as part of this, I called it break the negative chains of thinking. So I decided, I was reading a book and the author had suggested that you write down all of the negative beliefs that you have. And I actually, I kind of rolled my eyes at the author because for people who know me, you know, I, you know, I look like I'm confident and I'm always happy, it seems Mm -hmm. like. And, And I actually thought, you know, I'll see if I can list two or three. Mm -hmm. Well... I started writing 
And the first one that came out was, um, you know, I am fat. I'm not smart. I'm not funny. And then I kept going for seven pages. Oh my gosh. Journal. Oh my gosh. I was stunned at all this junk that was coming out that, I mean, I'm not going, where did that even come from? Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know that it was somehow unconsciously, subconsciously impacting my behavior. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that was a huge aha experience for me uh, to recognize what I come to believe is all of those are lies. Mm -hmm. You know, come to recognize that all of those were lies, recognize that they were damaged, that that's not the future that I wanted. And then to install truth about who I am and my gifts and my talents and my calling and my passion. Um, Because that's who I want to be. I want to be a person who operates and flows out of truth. And as we know, that is, that is a lifelong process. Um, And and so periodically I'll actually go back to that exercise Mm -hmm. and start writing and to see what comes out. Yeah. You know, What a great way to get it out, you know, I mean, physically get it out. And I, you know, I would almost take it another step and just do almost like a, um, a, a burning ceremony and, and pray with it and go, <laughs> you are released, you know, you are released. Well, no, no room in the house. <laughs> no. Well, I burned my navy blue suit. Yeah. Well, I actually like burning ceremonies. <laughs> You know, and then replace it, replace it with the other, you know, that, yes. that is, um, I think sometimes we are so closed, uh, because we're, we feel like we we're we have to be scripted and we have to, we just don't go within, you know, most people just won't go within because it's painful, but I, and I'm a firm believer. We can't get through, you can't get through the process if you don't feel the pain either. And then there's, you know, this this softness of this new landing that you're in and this peacefulness within. And, and I think the millennials have seen um, other generations struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, it doesn't have to be that hard. You know, we, we don't have to be, uh, we don't have to look at ourselves as imperfect. Mm -hmm. You know, let's. We're people. Yeah. We're people. Yeah. Yeah wrapped in a in a real big package um well what what is your call to to action for for leaders and businesses um with this book what what would you like them to do well i would love if they would pick up millennials matter and they can go to my website and they can either go to amazon.com or di- If they go to danitabuy.com, D-A-N-I-T-A and then B-Y-E, I will get them an autographed copy. And um, the the way that I envision people using the book 
is um, that they would, uh, first of all, there's many books. You read the first 18 pages and you've read the whole book. They just, mm-hmm. the author just keeps regurgitating. Mm-hmm. Not the case. This mm-hmm. is filled with new I, leadership concept tools, tips, talk tracks from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And so each chapter is short, maybe five or six pages. And I would imagine someone sitting down, reading a chapter, picking out an idea that they're going to work with for either that day or that week with their millennial. Mm -hmm. And they could skip around in the book or read through it however they want. But anyway, millennialsmatter.com. Great. Well, I I love the way you've designed the book because it really can be the new Bible for people. Like you said, you can read the whole thing or you can go back and use it as a resource Um, or even exercises with your team, I think would be really interesting as well. Um, And just that deeper look at, at self and how we relate to one another. So kudos to you. I, 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 I think it's going to be a game changer for, for those who pick it up. And, um, and really take it to heart. And, you know, well, here, here's the other thing, uh, Lori, uh, the feedback that I'm getting is that what it's one of the first books and the only books that has a positive view of millennials. Mm-hmm. And so they do matter. Yeah. They and, do matter. Yeah. And nobody wants the doom and gloom. How does it help us? Yeah. Exactly. Well, I appreciate all of your time today. Um, this has been just a great conversation. And again, you can uh, go to Danita's website. That's D-A-N-I-T-A and then buy B-Y-E dot com. Or you can always email her at Danita at Danita dot com as well. Um, she's just a doll. She's filled with Um, tons of great energy and insights and I'm sure she would love to work with your organization and um, and help you through the process here and I really truly hope that uh, healthcare leaders are listening Uh, this is this is a book I think that can really shift their their care culture you know as a whole because it just it opens the door to authenticity um, and I know every company thinks they're they're authentic, um, but if you ever walk through someone else's, you can see the dents and the bruises where they're not. And that same thing is happening in your own companies. And it's it's just learning to to work with those blemishes and kind of polish polish it up again, and um, you know get more get more life and more purpose and. I, and just that sense of of team working together. I, I, I just I think it is so needed and um, so called for. And this this will help. This will definitely help. So thank you. <laughs> thank Sounds you. great. Thank you so much. It's been a um, delight to work with you. Thanks for all the good work uh, that you and your listeners are doing out there. Well, great. Um, In wrapping up, I'm just going to give a shout out to a couple other um, organizations. The American Senior Magazine, which is a 
wonderful magazine that I love because I don't even need my glasses to read it. Nice large print, great articles. Um, they do a lot of nostalgia. They have um, even some games that can be used uh, for, uh, for individuals to kind of uh, just engage the brain or in group activities as well. And then many people are always looking for, you know, where's a memory cafe near us? Go to the memory cafe directory.com to find that. And if you are going to be in uh, Indiana, um, I will be there March 6th through the 9th. I would love to talk to you. You can find more on my website, alzheimerspeaks.com. I will also be down in Melbourne, Florida, the uh, March 15th through the 19th. And then I'll be out into, um, where am I going? I am going to Spokane, Washington, uh, the end of March, the 26th through the 28th. So I'd love to see you out there too. In the meantime, have a blessed week and um, don't forget to go pick up your book. Millennials, Millennials Matter. Thank you. <laughs> it's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.